Hey, it's Adam here. Uh, we have a mini-sode of Making Luck, a Dominion podcast for you. Uh, this one was recorded by Wandering Winder. Uh, any opportunity I have to allow Wandering Winder to just speak into my ear holes is something I like. So hopefully you enjoy this. Uh, you know, there's not going to be any sort of schedule for this. Whenever Wandering Winter makes one, I'll probably publish it, and here we go. Uh, but yeah, we're still on break. Uh, I wanted to drop in at the start of this one, however, to remind you that uh, upcoming in the month of September 2019, I'm going to be hosting my next uh, IRL Dominion tournament. That's going to be September 21st. It's going to be in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, link... Uh, I'll make a link to the uh, Facebook event for that in the description of this video, or you can just go to adamhorton.com, and one of the options on the top is tournaments. Uh, it'll link you to all the information you could possibly want. Uh, let me know if you're coming, if you'd like, or just show up. That's not required. Uh, I'd love to see you there, and hope you enjoy this mini-sode, and uh, we'll be back sometime in the future. Yeah. Well, the hater's gonna hate, 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 and the faker's gonna fake, 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 baby. I'm just gonna make, 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 making luck, making luck, a Dominion Podcast. Welcome to Making Luck, a Dominion Podcast. Wandering Winter is here, referring to himself in the third person, and talking to you today about crossing boundaries and having a plan in endgames. So, kind of the impetus that spurred on why I'm having this particular episode right now, why I wanted to cover this topic, is that um, both in seeing how people chat in while they're watching games, uh, you know, spectating on games online, as well as just seeing how pe- people play their games, uh, something that I've noticed that a lot of people get preoccupied with... Um, I don't know if that's exactly the right word, but they pay, basically they put too much stock in um, is quote-unquote safety. So people will refuse to make a certain play because, well, basically what they mean when, some, when they say something isn't safe is my opponent can potentially win the game right now. Um, and so they, they'll make a play so that you know their opponent can't win this turn. Um or they'll make a comment about is this safe or this isn't safe or you know if they do that their opponent could win by double provincing or whatever it happens to be um, and I think okay so part of the reason why uh, people think about this is a good thing because it's kind of the first principle of endgame play uh, is to understand what your opponent is capable of doing and um you know, in many cases, to play in such a way as to, to make it less likely that your opponent can win. Like, having that understanding and awareness is really important at so many points and so many endgames. Uh, having said that, of course, the zeroth principle as an aside of endgame play is if there's a forced win, take the forced win. Um, but this is kind of the first principle, right? But sometimes, even though you have that awareness of yes, my opponent might be able to win if I do this, it's still good to go ahead and do it anyway. Um, And particularly this comes around, uh, well, either if it's just like incredibly unlikely and it's going to hurt you way too much to try to play around them being able to do that. Like, yeah, if the top 
you know, 12 cards of their deck are all perfect, then they can double province, but they have, uh, you know, eight bad cards and they need to draw exactly zero of those. They need them to all be on the bottom. And just like the, the cost and or the cost that it costs me to try to not allow you to win right now is just so great. I think people are actually pretty good about not, not worrying about that too much. Um, but, but something that comes up a lot is you have to have an awareness of whether you're ahead or you're behind. Um, so playing around your opponent being able to win at all is something that you should do more and more if you're ahead. And when I say ahead and behind, I, I want to stress here, I don't mean ahead and behind in terms of like what the point situation is right now. I mean in terms of what your likelihood is to be able to win the game. It's possible to have 20 fewer points than your opponent and be way, way ahead and be very concerned about them being able to win the game right now because you are so favored in the long game that you just need to make sure that that long game happens and the game doesn't end right now. Um, So I don't mean you're ahead or behind in points. I mean you're ahead or behind in position, i.e. who has a better chance to win the game. And when you're behind, particularly when, when you're you know, like significantly behind to where you can tell with some pretty high confidence that you're behind. Um, you you don't usually have the luxury of being able to play around your opponent, uh, being able to win the game indefinitely, right? If you're able to do that, then you're you're not really behind, are you? Right? If if you're able to never give them an opening to win the game, then you're probably ahead, and you're probably very ahead. And if you can actually guarantee that they can never win the game, then that's like taking a forced win, and that's that zeroth rule I was talking about. But even when you're ahead, you usually can't guarantee playing it around it forever. Um, but particularly when you're behind, you can't play around it maybe even right now. Um, yes, maybe they can't win this turn, but you know that there's going to come a turn where they're going to be able to to win the game and you're not going to have any recourse to be able to stop them. And actually, when people make these kinds of comments about it being safe or not, um, a lot of the times what they don't realize is that whatever alternative line is also not safe, right? Um, that basically, yes, if my opponent draws their deck like their deck is often capable of doing, they will win the game. They have the buys and the gains available to them where if their deck functions as well as it can regardless of how likely that is, I will just lose because I can't score enough points right now to prevent them from winning on a pileout and or they're going to be able to pile provinces, whether I take provinces or not. Um, Or if I take provinces, they can pile provinces. And if I don't take provinces, I haven't scored enough and they're going to be able to pile out some other way, right? In a lot of these cases, it, it already is the crunch time where yeah, you have to have them dead right now or you're going to lose. But um, in a lot of the cases, it's going to be, okay, they can't win this turn, but they're just going to be even more likely to win on a later turn so, uh, because you're not making the plays that favor, that help you um, right now, and you're doing that to such an extent that it's actually detrimental to you, even though it, it, you know, it potentially allows your opponent to win right now. Um, I think really the important point uh, in all of this is to have a plan to win the game, which kind of sounds stupid or obvious. Um, 
but it's really easy to uh yeah i don't i don't really know what to say there it's it's really easy though to not think about this during a game and i want to explain a little bit why i think that happens because it it definitely happens pretty often um and i think you know as soon as people start to think about i need to have an awareness of what my opponent can do in the end game they often overcorrect and and do this too much and i think the reason that happens um i want to explain a bit by making an analogy to chess. So something that will happen in chess fairly often is you'll get to some kind of a crunch position where probably you don't have only a couple of options, probably you have a lot of options, but you only have a couple of reasonable options, right? Let's say you have two or three moves that are worth considering at all. Let's say two for this example, just to make it a little bit faster, a little bit easier. Um, So you've got two moves to consider. All the other moves are very obviously just completely losing, like, you know, my queen is attacked, and if I just lose my queen for free, I'm definitely losing the game, so I can either try to save it this way or that way, and all the other moves are are obviously bad, Um, so you don't have to worry about those other moves, Um, and what you do is you calculate the first one of those moves, you know, whichever one you feel like calculating first, I'm not going to get too much into the details, but you calculate one of them, and you determine sometimes that this move doesn't win it, it or doesn't work uh, you're just going to lose if you play that move because um, your opponent's going to be able to do this and then you'll have to do that and there's a sequence of forced moves and at the end of that sequence you're in a losing position um, and so what you do in chess at that point is you just make the other move you don't calculate the second move because it doesn't matter the first move loses so you just make the second move Um, Because there is no other option, really, right? Um, If you're playing the first move, basically the only hope you have is your opponent messes up, they don't see something, which can happen, but usually if it wasn't obvious to you from the start which of the two moves is better, then, like, A, you probably didn't calculate the trickier one first, you probably calculated the simpler one first, and B... uh, yeah, there's there's usually very little reason to think that your opponent is more likely to miss something on one move versus the other. Um, but yeah, anyway, the point is, that's not something you should generally hope for in chess. Um, that your opponent just messes up. Um, it's not something you should generally hope for unless you absolutely have to in, in almost any game. So it's a really good thing in chess to actually skip calculating the second move, make the second move, and then start calculating what you can do while you're to your opponent's turn. Um, so, so that's a good thing in chess because you don't have any other option and it saves you time, which is an important resource in chess, uh, is, is thinking time because you always play any competitive chess game with a clock. You have a limited amount of time. This is not the same in Dominion. Um, it's the same in a lot of other games, but Dominion is not one of them. And there's a couple of reasons here, but in Dominion... Um, the two big ones are, A, time is not usually so much of a factor. Yes, you need to not take forever in making your plans, but usually you have enough time to, okay, figure out this thing didn't work, and I have enough time to also think about my other option, figure out does it, you know, how good is it. Um, But the bigger reason is, well, it's very rare in Dominion to have this situation where, your opponent just needs to be able to see it and they win for sure. 
Um, usually their deck needs to function in a certain way, and that is not guaranteed. So sometimes it is guaranteed, like they have eight coffers and all they need to do is to be able to see that they're going to buy a province. And I'm not talking about these situations because you can pretty well dismiss that they're going to see that I can spend the eight coffers I have and buy the last province. Um, but those kinds of situations are, are super rare. Like also sometimes they have enough duration draw stored up that they can literally just draw their deck from duration draw. And that situation's also quite rare. So sometimes these forced situations do happen where for sure your opponent's going to be able to do the thing they need to do. But in most cases, whether it's they need to hit enough money or they need to not dud on their draw components coming together in the right order, there's at least some chance that their deck doesn't function that way. So in most cases, you can't just write off their their option as saying, I have a 0% chance to win as, as, as long as they see it. Um, in most cases, it's, I have a small percent chance to win. Um, so, but I see this in a lot of cases where it's like, I don't know, maybe it's 20% that each of your decks duds. And so there's a 20% chance their deck just duds out, and then there's an 80% chance after their deck duds out that you don't dud, and so then that's like a 16% chance that you win the game, maybe. That's a far cry from zero, and while it's not good, and this is the other psychological thing, people might see, like, it's very likely they're going to draw their deck, it's very likely I'm just going to lose right now, um, so, you know, I only have a small chance to win, because they have to dud, and it's unlikely. So, you know, maybe it is, like, a 10%, maybe it's 16%, maybe it's less, maybe it's 10%, maybe it's 5%, um, I think a big reason I win uh, more games than some other players is that I take my 10% chance or I take my 5% chance, whereas other players will be like, oh, that feels bad. I'm probably going to lose right now, so I will just do something else. But what they don't do is figure out if that something else can actually win them the game, which is why, again, I'm coming back to my main point, which is have a plan to win the game. So they'll calculate out, or they won't actually calculate, but they'll have a feel, right, um, that this is, is, and I'm not saying you have to calculate. By no means is it necessary that you calculate, but you want to not try to necessarily calculate percentages, but have some feel for, um, maybe it's not a number, maybe it's a, a narrative, a, a story that you can tell yourself. Here's how I'm going to win the game. I'm going to get I'm not going to get the province now. I'm going to get a duchy instead. And then my opponent is going to have maybe have this happen and I'll be able to capitalize on it by doing this. And that seems more likely to lead me to a win than just going for the province now and hoping that they did. Um, but you, you need to compare those two things. And again, this is going to sound obvious, but it doesn't matter how unlikely your plan is to win you the game. All that matters is how it compares to the other options you have. If you're if the best chance you have is 15%, take the 15%. If the other option ends up being only a 2% chance, you've thrown away 13% chance to win just because you thought this line is so unlikely to win. And you don't want to do that. Um, and, and this comes up more and more when you're behind than when you're ahead, right? Um, something else to think about in these scenarios is, uh, which helps you to work out, uh, is this actually a plan to win, is you can think to yourself, okay, what is it that I'm afraid of with this line? 
So like there's four provinces left and I don't want to double province because if they double province, then they'll win. And you have to ask yourself, okay, well, if I have this alternative and I go province duchy or whatever my best alternative that I've, you know, that I'm going to do if I don't double provinces, if I go province duchy, um, and then my opponent just double provinces anyway, does that actually put me in an advantageous position? And in a lot of cases, yes, it will, um, because you can province duchy again, and then those extra two duchies are enough points to put you over the top and win the game. Um, so, yeah, in a lot of cases that does help you, but also in a lot of cases it, it doesn't. And I'll see people make this play where, okay, I, if I go province duchy and they go double province, then I will have to triple duchy, and then I still am not winning the game. And in those scenarios, I will see people make that play all the time because I'm too afraid of my opponent double provincing right now. But if double province is going to get them enough points where you're just going to lose the game anyway, and it's going to take you, you know, like three, four, five turns to make up the points because I have to get a bunch of duchies and they have to dud like four or five times in a row. That's just not a realistic plan to actually win the game. You just have to gun it right now, get the double province and hope they don't have it. Um, but people are, are often afraid to do that. Um, but it, it depends on the situation of your deck and your opponent's deck, how likely duds are to happen and in what order and for which players, right? If your deck is a much stronger deck than your opponent's deck, then it is probably more advantageous to you to try to make the game drag out and go longer because it gives the more time for the relative deck powers to have their influence on the game, right? The longer the game goes, the more that the power of you having a better deck is going to be good for you. Uh, but the worse your deck is, especially compared to theirs, and or if the alternative line makes you make your deck uh, more worse, worse faster, I don't know how to describe it. I don't know the right words. But basically, if your deck is deteriorating more quickly than your opponent's deck because you have to go, like, triple duchy instead of their double province, uh, so you have extra green cards in it, then that's probably not favorable to you, and you should probably make the game go shorter. But in every case, I want to come back to my main point, which is, in every case, you want to have a plan, have this story of saying, okay, if I don't do this, uh, you know, if I don't do this because it's too risky and it's not safe, my alternative plan is to do this other thing, and that gets around the problem I have from my first plan because, you know, they can't end the game. And if they do, if they go for that, then I'll be able to come out on top of them. Or because, you know, we're going to keep going back and forth in these duchies until somebody duds. But my deck is enough better than theirs that I can wait for them to dud and take advantage afterwards instead of, you know, it's going to eventually need to be. In some other situations, it, it's going to be that, like, I need to have, have gone in for something before they dud, in which case you have to figure out, is it better to go in for the risk now versus later? Um, but you want to have this plan of, I can do this, and then they're going to do that. And when you're thinking of what your opponent's going to do on their turn, you need to also realize that they don't necessarily have to just straight go for, you know... This situation before there's four provinces left, I'm going to go province duchy. You don't assume that they're necessarily going to go double province. You need to check. If they go double province, do you have a good thing? 
If they go province duchy, do you have a good thing? Um, and if you don't have a good thing for, you know, double province, then you're not really playing around double province by going province duchy. And if you don't have a good thing for province duchy, then again, it might be that you need to take a risk. And I have to speak in generalities here for the most part, because it's, it's, every situation is very different. Um, so it's, it's very hard to have really concrete examples. Um, I do want to give some more concrete examples. So something I want to talk about is let's say it's just a single gain board. Um, you're, you know, there's no way to make extra buys or it's going to take like multiple extra turns to get extra buys. So it's realistically, there's only, there's no way to get extra buys. You're coming towards the end of the game and there's two provinces left. Um, and so you could take the second to last province um, and people are extremely hesitant to do that, um, particularly in a situation where uh, if their opponent takes that last province that they can lose. But a lot of the times you should actually just still jam that second to last province, even if them getting the last one would win for them. Now, sometimes you should get a duchy instead, but but often you should still get that province. And so I want to go a little bit concrete here to help you figure out when is what, and hopefully this will give you... Um, it is less about the exact situation of the scenario and more about um, the thought process and, and manner of thinking that goes into it. But let's say, you know, if you're behind by one point, then you might want to get duchy because then... If your opponent goes province and you can province in reply, you'll win because, you know, if I'm behind by one point, I get a duchy. Now I'm up by two. If they go province and then I go province, I win by two points. So that's good for me. So I might want to get a duchy there. I also might not want to get a duchy. I might want to get a province. If both of our decks are really bad, then me getting a province right now might not be a good move. Or it might be a might excuse me might actually it might not but it might be a good move if both are decks are really bad because it, it just might be that I'm not going to have so many more pro- chances to get a province and I can't waste this one getting a duchy. Um, so if both of our decks are really bad, then I should be more likely to just jam for the province anyway. Um, but let's go to a different scenario. Um, Instead of being down by one, now I'm down by five. Now, if I get a duchy, I'm down by two. My opponent can still get a province on their next turn. I won't be able to get a province in that case, right? Because I'll be down by eight. I'll have to get a duchy. And then, basically, the only way I win, if they get that province, is I'm going to get a duchy, and I'm going to keep getting duchies until they miss both province and duchy and can only get an estate or maybe even worse. Um, and then I need to be able to province before I also miss province or duchy. And so you need that to be likely enough to happen to be your best chance of winning, which is going to be super rare in these cases. Um, so much more commonly... You should just buy the province because if your opponent can province, you're probably losing anyway. And and if your opponent is going to be likely enough to miss duchy, they probably can't province. And you need them to miss duchy for you to be able to win So if they do get province. So 
basically you're not playing for much if you get duchy and you're playing for them to just miss province one time by getting province um and and you obviously also need to be able to get province twice but like let's face it you're behind you can't expect to win so that's a that's a concrete example um it's not super concrete because it's not an exact game state and in don't know the exact contents of either of your decks but these are the kinds of things that you should be thinking about um but having a plan can also be just like a lot more complex than this it, it can involve pile outs it can involve double province it can involve triple province it can involve multiple duchies it can involve a lot of things um one other example i want to give um is that i've had a few games and i've played like 25,000 games, so this is super rare, but I've had a few games where it comes up where, okay, my opponent, um, if they get a province, they'll win, so I shouldn't be afraid of them getting a province, but in some of these cases, it's still right for me to just blitz out duchies instead, because, well, basically, if they get even a duchy or maybe a couple of duchies, they will also win, Um, and so what I need to do is I need to empty the duchies as fast as I can um, so to stop them from getting duchy and then go after the provinces to get province because if I go after you know the second and third to last provinces in the supply first and they my opponent gets a few duchies because their deck is not so good and I can't play around them getting province anyway um, but if they get a couple of duchies I'm still going to lose so that's really not a plan for me to win the game so in this case having a plan to win the game is about draining the duchies, and then maybe they hit five, but they're not going to hit eight, and then I hit eight a couple more times, and then I win, and it's very unlikely, but I've won, like, I think one, maybe two games this way, Um, so it's something that can come up. Um, But yeah, just have a plan, say, if I do this, then they'll have to do that, and the reason I know they have to do that is, well, basically you have a plan for all of the reasonable options that they might take, and part of why this is endgame play is you need that to be a limited number of reasonable options because if it's, you know, they might take 25 different things, you can't, you can't think through all that. Um, so it's really something you want to do in the endgame to where you know they've got only a few options. They can go for these piles or these points in these numbers. And you want to have a plan that, that maximizes your chances based on what they're likely to be able to do uh, or what they're, you know, maybe your plan is I need to play for this unlikely thing, um, but it's the most likely of the ways that, that actually lead to me winning versus, well, if they have their likely hand, I'm just lost anyway, right? You need to maximize your chances. Uh, what you don't want to do is just say, well, I'm going to reject every line, every plan that doesn't give me a very high percentage chance to win the game, um, especially if you're behind, because uh, once again, like I mentioned before, it's not about picking, you know, it's not about avoiding a line that makes you likely to lose. It's about picking the line which makes you most likely to win. Um, So some amount you can be avoiding losses, right? If you're ahead, you want to pick the line that makes you lose least often, Um, And ties come into it as well, but, you know, I'm making generalizations here. Um, The last thing I want to do is go over a a very, very concrete example uh, where having a plan was able to win 
uh, a listener of this podcast, the game, a person with a very dapper hat. Um, so this is a game between RTT and Marcus. Marcus went first. Um, RTT went second. And I don't want to go through the particulars of the game, but we're going to join it in turn 18. Uh, this is game, if you want to look it up, uh, it's going to be in the show notes. We're going to have a link to this uh, this um, replay tool called Woodcutter that Severi has made. Um, this replay of this game. And uh, yeah, it's game number 29378454. This is a game I watched live. And what I was thinking um, on this turn, turn 18 for RTT, what I was thinking uh, should happen was just very bad. I didn't have a, a very good plan. Um, but RTT had a, a, a really nice plan. And it was actually able to to win him the game. So, um, anyway, we, we pick up the game. as turn 18. If you don't have it in front of you and you're listening to the audio, I'm going to try to describe the situation of the decks. It's uh, a board with Palace and Conquest. The silvers are almost all gone. At the start of this turn, there's one silver left because basically what happened was they thinned down a little bit with amulets and then they got a few provinces each, and then instead of duchy dancing, they conquest danced, and so they conquested the points and the silvers all the way down, gaining some silvers with their amulets, and so the situation right now is Marcus has 20 silvers in his deck, RTT has 19 silvers in his deck, they each have two apothecaries, they each have uh, four coppers, they each have two golds, Uh, Marcus has two archives, one of which is in play with two cards under it. Um, RTT has one archive. RTT has four villagers, which aren't going to be relevant, probably because the only terminals they have are two amulets each. Uh, Marcus doesn't have any villagers. Um, Anyway, RTT is down by two points. Their decks are full of treasures. They each have two golds, four coppers, and, you know... 19 to 20 silvers on this palace board. RTT is down by two points. There's two provinces left in the supply. They each have two golds. They each have four coppers. There's eight duchies left in the supply. There's one silver left in the supply. So what I'm thinking here for RTT is what I think would kind of be just like the not auto, the autopilot move, the not thinking about it move. And what I was thinking was, well, we got a duchy dance. Marcus's deck is way too good, way too likely to be able to hit province to, for me to go for province right now. So we got to do some kind of a duchy dance kind of thing. Um, and whether you should duchy dance or not at all or not is really a function of this question that I'm talking about, about having a plan. Sometimes the plan of duchy dancing is the better plan, but sometimes it's not, and you really need to compare them. But in this case, Marcus having two cards underneath... Uh, that archive and, and having the stuff just seems way too likely right now. So I think you need to, to, to dance around for points. And instead of actually literally getting duchy here, my thought was, well, gold is basic. Gold is also worth three points, just like duchy is. And it's a much better card for your deck. So you should take gold. Um, but I didn't really have this plan because, you know, if you take gold, then market, you'll be up by a point. So Marcus won't province. Marcus will take gold back and then you'll take gold and then Marcus will take gold and then you can't score any more points off golds because you have equal golds and coppers so then you're going to go duchy and he's going to go duchy and you're going to go duchy and he's going to go duchy and then the duchies will all run out 
and then you'll still be behind by two points. And then you're going to have to go for either gold and copper over two turns, which will score three points over two turns, or estate and estate, which only scores two points over two turns. And neither of these is appealing to you because the first of these turns, then Marcus is going to go province. And then if you go province, you'll lose, so you'll have to score more points. And then you need your Marcus to not be able to do anything, which is very unlikely, and then you can tie. Um, and by not doing anything, I actually mean that he can't province. So this is a line that you can take, and if you're going to take this, you need to figure out between what's left on top of deck via apothecaries and what when they have archives left uh, in play versus not, when they have amulets in play versus not. You're going to have to make the play at some point to skip out of this loop and buy a province. Um, maybe it's because you think they're likely to have, most likely to have the dead turn coming up. Maybe you think it's because it's going to be more likely after you've added four duchies to your deck each. I don't know, but it's unlikely either way. But, okay, this is what I would have done. This is not what RTT did. RTT thought, okay, well, if we do that, then I'm probably going to lose. Um, but what's better is I should go for duchy first, which I thought was insane because duchy is just worse than gold for your deck. It scores the same number of points and is worse for your deck. But uh, RTT did this. His opponent made the what I think is very normal play and did the gold thing first, like I was saying. Uh, but what happens is RTT goes duchy, Marcus goes gold, RTT goes duchy, Marcus goes gold, RTT goes duchy, Marcus goes duchy, because gold won't score anymore, and then they empty the duchies. RTT is ahead on duchies 5-3, to three. and uh, yeah, he can still score on golds, so he's not ahead on points, he's only ahead on duchies, right? The duchies run out, um, and uh, he can take a gold, and he does, and that puts him ahead. And then after all of that happens is, you know, RTT has taken two golds at the end, which puts him ahead. And then he can province and Marcus is just dead. He can't do anything. Um, and uh, yeah, RTT is able to province again. And um, that wins him the game. And uh, yeah, that's basically exactly how it happened. And so um, having this plan of looking ahead was able to win him the game that you know that you need to contest duchies first because that's a source of points that will run out um, whereas the gold pile isn't going to run out and so I can always get the golds later um, so this was this was actually very important to do it in this order and if his opponent had played the same way it's also better than just gunning for province right like if his opponent plays the same way then RTT isn't going to have this massive advantage of basically having extra duchy or gold palace points available to him but it's still better because a marcus was extremely unlikely to dud right then with the archive in play uh but b um you've made both decks deteriorate which makes it more likely well for both of you to dud which isn't necessarily great for you because your deck is a little bit worse but uh to maximize your chances uh because their decks are so good and so reliable you and you need marcus to dud you need to maximize dud chances for both of you. Um, so this was brilliantly played endgame by RTT, and it's just an example of, well, okay, it's not going to come up exactly this way for you, probably. It's very unorthodox, but in any situation, you really want to think through and have a plan, because it, it's very likely to be a situation which you haven't exactly seen before, 
But if you think of a plan of here's what we can each do, and I'm going to plan ahead and have a goal, uh, some story on here's how I'm going to win the game, and it it's a better, more likely outcome for me to win the game than my other options, uh, you're going to end up doing much better. And it's particularly going to help you a lot when you're behind because you're going to turn your, your 1% chance of them dotting three times in a row to you know a, a 10 or 15% chance of they dud at the exact wrong time for them, which is unlikely, but you know, going from 1% to 10%, going from 1% to 5%, that ups your win rate in, in a real fashion. And um, yeah, you know, taking your 10% chance when you've got a 10% chance is really important and it has as big a win rate as it does when you go from a 50% to a 60% chance. It has just as big of an effect. So always have a plan. And uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Let me know if you have any comments, questions, if you have any of these scenarios that you want to share. Um, that'd be great. I always love looking at these kinds of things. Um, leave a comment, send an email. We won't give you a pizza roll, but uh, leave a comment on this web zone. Um, you know, there's the Discord, there's the forums, there's the email you know, send a pigeon, send some smoke signals, write it on a postcard, however you want to get it to us, we're listening. Uh, You want to make a response video? Make a response video. Anyway, thanks for, thanks for listening to Making Luck. I'm going to catch you again for the next Making luck encourages you to wear your seatbelt. Thank you.